I'm Ronnie Michael, Global Head of Innovation for KPMG International. It's my great pleasure to welcome you back to Back From 2040 podcasts, where I ask business leaders, innovators, futurists, academics, and forward thinkers to travel to 2040, tell us what the world looks like, and explore how we got there. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Iran Zinman, the co-founder and co-CEO of Monday.com, the innovative platform which gives organizations everything they need for the new way of working. Welcome, Iran. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure, it's such a pleasure. And before we start, I know there's probably maybe one or two people who haven't heard about Monday.com <laughs> yet. Uh, but for those uh, few, could you just, just say a few words about Monday.com? Yeah, sure. I think it's more than one or two, but uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, so Monday essentially is a work OS. This is how we define what we do. Um, work operating system, if you like. Um, and, and basically... From our perspective, we're building a platform that allows any company, any organization, uh, whether you are a tech company or not, to build their own tools. Uh, so essentially, you know, the best analogy I can think of is Lego bricks. Basically, we give yeah. people those Lego bricks and allow them to build any model uh, that they like. Uh, but we do that in work management. So basically think about it that we give people the ability to build their own work tools Uh, shape their work environment. And basically, it's a tool that can be used across any department, uh, any part of the organization. Uh, so that's kind of in a, in a you know, really quick uh, form. Yeah. And, and well, I know Monday.com very well, so I can just uh, share my own excitement about it. But this is really great because I love it when, you know, people who are already looking at the future now get to talk about 20 years from now. So uh, we sent you 20 years forward into 2040. And you visited your own 2040, the one that you think is possible. And I'm really excited to hear how that was. So tell me a little bit about your 2040. What really struck you the most? What, what gave you the biggest impression? You say, you mean apart from flying cars and uh, everybody <laughs> yeah, exactly. being in virtual reality. So I have my own prediction on the, I would say, general future. But um, uh, for the purpose of this podcast, I'll try to give a perspective from, you know, our industry and what I think about, um, you know, things that will happen and shape uh, on, on how people use software and how organizations will adopt software in the future. And, and, and you know, it, it's obviously based on trends that I'm already seeing uh, that are starting out. But I think that, you know, going forward, there will be much more dominant. Um, so, so I'll say a few things. Um, number one, and I think this is a huge trend that we've seen right now, um, you know, just starting out, but will definitely increase over time, is the shift of power in enterprise companies. I think that in the past, and the old philosophy behind software in the past was that, you know, the, the management or organization, whether it's C-level or VPs, would usually make a decision about a business software, you know, from this day on, we're going to use X, uh, and everybody have to comply. Uh, we want to keep track of what you do. So you need to log what you, whatever you do in, in this software or that software. So uh, I think what we see now um, is a shift of power to the individuals within the organization. Um, one interesting fact is people spend more money um, on buying software themselves in any level in the organization than what the executive management 
um, is buying in terms of budget. People have their own credit cards. They have the ability to buy their own software. And you can see people trying to find solutions to their own problems. Uh, and going forward, I think that this you know, centralization of you know, decision-making and forcing everybody to work in one platform uh, will shift uh, to people making their own decisions. And we're already seeing that uh, right now. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, so in 2040, what you're saying is when when we see organizations today, you know, we have you bring your own device. It's basically in 2040, organizations tell their employees bring your own technology. Yeah, is, is it pretty much like that? <laughs> yeah, so that, that that's one aspect that you're already seeing today, and I think you know the main reason behind it is that organizations understand that in order to you know, be competitive and, you know, win the market, they have to move very fast. And in order to move fast, you need to allow people to make their own decisions and give them autonomy to find the tools uh, that they need, as opposed to waiting for the organization to make decisions for them, which usually uh, doesn't give them, you know, a good enough a solution. So I think, you know, giving that power to people is one aspect. Uh, the second aspect, and, and again, you know, I'm a bit biased here because uh, I really believe in what we do, um, is given another layer of democracy to people. Um, you know, what, kind of the concept behind what we do is to give people the power to build their own tools. So I want to talk a little bit about that because I think it not, it's not about money.com. Uh, we're not the only player in that uh, field, but I feel that you know, the whole philosophy behind software, if you like, uh, and, and again, I've built many software in my life. <laughs> I've been coding since I can remember myself, basically. Um, so, so the whole, you know, kind of paradigm about software was, um, you know, I'm going to build a, t a tool uh, for people to adopt and use, but I'll come up with, you know, the idea behind how it's going to work how you're going to input data, how you're going to consume that data, how you're going to see the results. And then people have to go through this process of adopting to the software, learning how it works, reading manuals, uh, going through onboarding sessions. And, and basically, they were stuck with the solution that was given to them. Uh, and they had literally no ability to change anything in the software. Like You have to use it the way people design it. And if you think about it, 99% of the software you, we use today is like that. Somebody came up with a concept, you know, whether it's a software to manage salespeople or a software to manage developers or you know, an ERP, um, any software you like is basically you have to adopt, uh, you have to shift how you work in order to leverage the, soft, the, the, the power of the software. And, and if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. You know, this whole concept of... I'm going to build something that's going to be compatible with any organization across the globe, no matter what's the size, what's their industry, what they're doing. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. So 18 or 20 years from now, uh, what happens to all the, the whole concept of APIs and the way that um, applications and systems and technologies interact with each other? Does it... Does it become simple, a little bit more simple than it is today? Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what I'm basically saying is I feel people would want to have the ability to kind of build their own software and shape their own software uh, instead of kind of buying pre-made tools. Yeah. And, you know, if you connect those two things that I've mentioned, so one, giving 
you know, more power to people to build their own, to, to use their own software, so to buy whatever software that fits you, and two, give them the power to shape the software that they're using, not buying kind of pre-made solutions and, and give them that, you know, um, um, leverage over the software that they have. Um, you know, when you think about it right now, it sounds like a little bit chaotic, right? Like yeah. uh, everybody's using different things. Everybody's using the software in different ways. Uh, and I think you touch on a very good point. You know, the reason why this is um, now being enabled and will increase as a trend. Uh, so as I mentioned, companies want to move faster, but you have to have some sort of control right over the different software that you use. Um, so, you know, connecting them through APIs and making sure data flows between one software to another, making sure everybody talks with uh, one another, because the last thing you want is to have silos within the organization. Exactly. Um, so nobody want to have different parts of the information stored in different parts of, and I think this is part of the problems that we have today as well. Uh, but I think going forward, um, it's going to change. And I think what happened with Everybody now, it's become like an industry standard, standard that have an API. Uh, so software can communicate with one another. And it, it wasn't enabled in the past. So I think those two things with that ability is going to be a huge game changer on how people use software, how it helps them with their work, and how people make decisions on, on buying software going forward. And, and one of the additional features that is really dominant in, in Monday.com is the intuitiveness and just really kind of being something that's very easy to understand and use intuitively. So let me ask you again, 20 years from now, is intuitiveness in technology, does that look different? Does that connect somehow into, um, you know, uh, immersive reality to the metaverse? Where, where is that going to change that the whole way of what we now view as intuitiveness? Yeah, this is a great point because, you know, when you think about it, why software is not intuitive? You know, why, why is that? It's usually not the user interface. You, you can have a beautiful user interface, uh, beautiful graphics, but it's going to be very difficult to start using the software. And you know, when I think about this future of giving people that ability to control software, you know, somebody might look at that and say, whoa, you know, it sounds like too much power in my hands, you know, I'm, I'm, it's going to be more complex. But, you know, one thing that we found and I truly believe in, um, it's going to make things much more intuitive because I think what happened with people using technology is that they start with a very simple solution, you know, whether it's with software, you start with something very basic. And then as you scale your company, your organization, you switch to more complex software. The problem with more complex software that over time, they you know, obviously their customers are enterprise, bigger customers. Um, so you start adding features. Right. You know, you, you started having capabilities because you want to fit more and more people. And then the user interface looked like, you know, a million buttons, uh, you know, dozens of different menus. And then, you know, this is when it becomes not intuitive. You don't know what's the next step. You log into the software, you feel, you know, you feel stupid. What should I click on? You know, what's the next step? How do I start? Um, so I think that by giving people the power, they can start with something very simple because people are kind of gradual adopters, right? They yeah. start with their own problem, they start with something very simple, and then over time, they make it more and more complex because they have the power to do that. Um, you know, it's it's gradual discovery and gradual complexity over time as opposed to kind of land and be overwhelmed uh, with what the software can offer you from day one. Yeah, sounds fascinating. Um, so tell me about one of the most interesting questions that's been bugging me. So you travel 20 years forward, you sell your own company 
20 years from now, what did Monday.com look like? Have you already set Tuesday and Wednesday.com as well? <laughs> wow. You know, I'm, I'm, it's really hard to predict. You know, <laughs> if you would ask me three years ago how our company is going to look like, I'm probably going to be 80% wrong. <laughs> um, so it's really hard to say. We're always trying to think, you know, one year ahead, two years ahead. Um, but, but definitely, you know, I feel the, the opportunity today in our market is, is huge. Um, because one thing that I found is, which was really fascinating, you always think about, you know, how much technology is dominant in our lives. But when you go to and meet, you know, almost every business on the planet, everybody's still going through a digital transformation process. It's amazing to see uh, people still using whiteboards, they use emails to communicate, they, they use, you know, PowerPoint presentations. People rely on being in the same physical space in the office in order sure. to sync with one another. Um, and all those things are very kind of before the computer age, right? Like it, it's right. still the old technology, old way of communicating. Um, so definitely I feel there's a huge vacuum today in the market. Um, you know, I think Salesforce is one example of a great company that took, you know, managing sales team to become the go-to solution, you know, very successful company. I feel that in terms of management, uh, we still don't have that kind of tool. Uh, one tool that everybody uses in order to manage their teams, their work. So I feel, you know, definitely we, we aim for that, but I think there's a lot of other players that also aim for that. Uh, so I feel that, you know, being a tool that helps companies manage across the organization is something that can be really huge. Um, so I feel there's a huge vacuum today in how people manage organization of all sizes. And I think they're going to be, you know, one or two platforms that are going to be kind of the go-to and be this one layer that we all miss right now of connecting everything into one place. And once that does happen, I mean, um, 10, 15 or 20 years from now, uh, when you look at a situation where there's no longer that hurdle of actually having one platform, which is very intuitive and that can connect everybody in the organization, what do you think the next stage of being innovative and forward thinking for an organization will look like once they've already embraced all of that technology? Will it really shift the way that organizations can work? How's that going to change them? Yeah, so I think going back to the whole concept of moving really fast, I think that you know the, the whole way of how organizations work today um, is really slowing them down. You know, w when you think about this hierarchy of you know decision making, you know, I'm I'm a team leader. I want to move forward. I need to ask my director. My director needs to ask the VP, and then you know they have to ask the you know one of the C level executives. And then by the time the decision goes down, you know, back to the actual person that need to make the you know the task, you know, it's too much time has passed. Um, the context is not the same that what like what it was. So I think, you know, the whole concept of this very centralized, you know, decision making is going to fade away over time. You know, when you look at nature itself, you know, I like to take analogies from uh, other places, which is not software and computers. You don't see in nature almost nowhere, um, you know, like a centralized decision making process. Um, people can move forward, they're, they're of autonomy. I think it's something we humans invented. Um, you know, I don't know what's the origin of that, you know, just asking permission all the time in order to move forward. I think that organizations in the future uh, will not work like that. You know, I still think they will have a CEO and, and <laughs> management teams, but I think people will be able to make their own decision, be able to assess the risk of what they're 
um, doing and assess the reward and be able to move forward. And I think this decentralization, uh, which we see in many other play, uh, you know, fields uh, like, yeah. you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and not having this one entity that controls everything will also come to organizations in the future if they want to survive, if they want to move as fast as other organizations. They have to do so because at the end of the day, when you have one bottleneck, you're always going to be slower than your competition. Yeah, well, it does sound like a, a somewhat different reality than the one w that we have today. So let me ask you one last question, and I know this is something that's close to your heart. I know that you're very close to the startup ecosystem, that you have uh, contributed and are contributing to the um, entrepreneur community. Um, so um, in 20 years from now, what would be the best advice that you can give to an entrepreneur that's work that's starting to set up a new technology company in the future. What do you think that's going to be? Well, I'm not sure about 20 years from now. I think the, <laughs> the same advice will apply to now, uh, to, to our present time. I have many advices. You know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in my journey. Um, before starting money.com, I had my, um, you know, my previous startup was a huge failure. Uh, I learned a lot from that uh, experience. And, uh, you know, w one of the things that I found, you know, being an entrepreneur, is that um, you know, intuition is a great tool, but um, it often leads you in the wrong way. Um, so I'll have to put this in context, but, but basically, you know, when I started my journey, um, you know, I, w I had a lot of fears. I have a lot of assumptions of you know, how it's going to work, uh, what are the important things and what's not. You know, one of the things that um, I, I, a mistake that I've done in my previous startup that you know, in retrospect, I know that I was afraid to fail. And, and because of that, I've done everything in my power in order to make sure that I'm going to fail. So, so basically, uh, I worked on this product that, you know, for a very long time, over a year, um, out of my own budget, um, and basically built something that nobody wanted. And I had to wait one year in order to learn that because I was afraid of getting feedback. I was afraid of, you know, confronting reality. Uh, I was afraid of, you know, knowing that my idea wasn't successful or wasn't, you know, as bright as, as I thought it was. And one of the main lessons that I've learned is that, you know, you need to work against your intuition and say, I want to succeed. In order to succeed, I need to get feedback. So, you know, to get feedback, I need to release something which is undone, uh, not 100% what I wanted, um, you know, be open to get criticism because uh, this is how you evolve. Like this is how you learn. And ever since then, I'm thinking about everything, almost everything that I do. How do I create myself this feedback loop? How do I make sure that I constantly get feedback uh, in order to improve? Because without feedback, you can improve. And feedback is not, you know, your mom or spouse saying, you know, it's a great idea. <laughs> uh, feedback is getting a signal from the universe, actual users, and have the actual ability to fail. So I think, you know, for future entrepreneurs and, and present entrepreneurs, I think that creating this feedback loop and not being afraid to fail and say, you know, failure is on the path to success and I need to be open for that is one of the key elements in order to succeed as a, as a, as a startup. Well, I'm a great believer in failures that lead to success. Um, in, in many of the discussions that I have with different organizations worldwide, you know, we discuss reducing the cost of failure so that you won't be as fearful from it. So once you just accept it, you're willing to fail fast 
and and really learn from it and embrace it. So I, I echo your thoughts completely. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I thank you, can't thank you enough. Um, and it was a great pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Back From 2040, the KPMG podcast where our guests travel to 2040 and back and tell us all about it. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast channel. And if you have any feedback, you can email us on innovation.team at kpmg.com.